1: He stopped at the Ferry Hotel in Camden while on route to Boston. The town gave him a banquet. And he staged a shooting match so that the people could see him shoot. And while he was doing all the shooting, somebody picked his pocket. About $160. Nothing has changed in Jersey, has it? <laughs> way, wouldn't that be a great uh, scene for a Western? Baby Crockett shooting it out there in, in uh, Camden, New Jersey. And all the while, this guy's sneaking up behind him, picks his pocket. Well, of course, the Jerseyites uh, are a tremendous uh, talent over there. While we're on the subject of talent here, let's see, before we get underway here, Shepard, uh, this, this is trivia night here. I tell you, once in a while, you've got to clear your desk of all this credit. Shepard, I listen to you every night on my homebrew crystal diode receiver using a three-element ham radio beam. Now, I guess you guys don't know what that means, but this guy's got a crystal set, and he's got a three-element beam attached to it. All right, kid. Okay. Hey, I wonder how many of you know that that's a a rising new, uh, curiously in-hobby. Do you know that? No building crystal sets and uh, listening to stuff on crystal receivers. In fact... uh, I'll tell you, you know, stories of a crystal set. Most people relate to, you know, the crystal set to the very earliest the beginnings of radio, but actually the, the crystal set has continued and will continue on. It's, it's the simplest form of radio detector. Now, if you know what the, a crystal receiver is, it's simply that it's a, it's a crystal diode detector, and uh, it comes with a, with a tuned circuit. You make this little tuned circuit on the front end of it, you attach uh, as much antenna as you can get out the window on that tuned circuit you have to have a, a, a good ground and a pair of earphones and uh, you're fooling out a lot and then all of a sudden you hear faintly in the distance in the background yeah you hear four hundred twenty two stations all mingled in together well at which point then you rebuild your crystal set you uh, change the lc circuit and uh, uh, of course that's right absolutely and i know what i'm talking about in that department and uh, ultimately you find that you have a crystal receiver which uses no batteries. That's a groovy thing about a crystal set. Of course, no, there, no power is needed for a crystal receiver, and it works under all circumstances. And uh, if you, any of you guys out there that play around with hi-fi, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you a little tip on something that you can try. It's really a really interesting experiment. If you have a a, a good amplifier, let's assume you have a good stereo amplifier that has high gain. Uh, pre-amplification circuits in it in a good good high gain input, let's say the tape input is usually a fairly high gain input on your uh, on your uh, stereo, uh, you agree with me on that? Uh, often, uh, even the more uh, higher gain one uh, you'll find is sometimes marked microphone, uh, in short if you use a microphone, an external mic with your hi-fi set, uh, this, cause some guys do this occasionally, that that particular input is usually of a fairly high gain. Correct, all? Okay. Now here's what I would like to suggest, if you, if you really want to really want to throw your friends for a total loop, to build yourself a crystal set, and then run the output of your crystal set into the input of your stereo high gain amplifier, and you would be amazed, amazed. I want to tell you that that uh, not only would you be astounded at the quality, but uh, more than that, see, what you do then is uh, you, you you go out and you get yourself a, a, a cabinet. Go to one of these places down on Van Cortlandt Street, see, and you get yourself a real real involved-looking cabinet. It's got about 400 meters of dia. You can buy it for about a dolly, and there's a lot of all kinds of, of a totally useless uh, uh, surplus-type gear down there, see. And in this cabinet, you build your crystal diode detector receiver and then you run that into your stereo hi-fi amplifier, turn the gain up, and I'll tell you, it'll be, you know, just, just fantastic. And, uh, <laughs> oh yeah, and, hardly, and of course the, the point is that nobody would ever suspect that you're using a crystal set, an actual crystal radio. Now, uh, you know how crystal radio is, one of the things about a crystal radio, maybe, maybe I should, uh, should talk about it. Do you, you mind if I do a show tonight about crystal sets? I mean, you know, after all, it may it may bore the living you know what out of most of you, but the fact is that a lot of guys that won't bore. Uh, a crystal receiver is a very sneaky little receiver. Uh, I, as a matter of fact, uh, here a couple of years ago there was a flood of really bad phony. In fact, the, the I think the government and everybody else got after them all up and down Sixth Avenue and all these junk shops. You know where they're selling all this discount stuff. You see a great big sign says "discount." Well. Uh, nobody ever paid full price for any of this stuff. Have you ever seen uh, anybody actually pay full price at a, for a discount house? In fact, everything is discount today. There's no such thing as a real price. It's all discount. And uh, nevertheless, at these junk shops, you know, where they had these little tiny Japanese uh, spy cameras, 59 cents, you could tell the prosperity of, this, of the city by what they were selling these little tiny cameras for. Uh, they, they would go from 98 cents. That was when things were really... Swing and money was, you know, squirting out of people's shoes like water. Uh, it got all the way down to 18 cents. I think 18 cents was the cheapest I ever saw them. <laughs> After that, the guy just threw them out. He, he didn't want them anymore. I mean, but uh, uh, nevertheless, they had, uh, there was a racket that was being done here in New York for a while. I haven't seen it in some time, but there was a racket. It said, uh, genuine, uh, and uh, they, they very, very cleverly spelled the word transistor. Uh, so that it didn't actually say transistor. It says genuine transistor-like radios, you know, and the, the like was a little tiny thing at the bottom. It says, uh, the cheapest transistor-like radio anywhere. It says, yes, you've seen these. And uh, they, they, they they had a copy. It was a little plastic copy of a real transistor radio. And uh, it had a fancy name on it, like Boney. Uh <laughs> you know, or, uh, or uh, you know, like uh Canasonic. And I said, uh, yeah, it's very, very official-looking names. And they were selling for three ninety-eight. Well, actually, what they were was simply a crystal receiver, and they didn't work. I mean, uh, they did work, but you would have to run an antenna from here to Greenwich Village and back. And you may hear on a good night uh, a radio station not more than 500 yards from where you are at that point. And uh, a lot of people bought those things. Did you, you remember that? Yeah, that that was a, that was a brag, you know, real, real thing. They were pulling on the on the goods, uh, good uh, Hicks from New York, they they bought them. Uh, now a crystal set. Uh, that's a, that's a, you know You can you can uh, you can talk for hours about a crystal set. But do you know that during during uh, times when guys are trapped, like uh, in uh, in concentration camps and stuff, uh, that crystal sets. One guy, in fact, there was a famous story that came out of out of a uh, concentration camp. I think it was in Korea, someplace like that, where. Uh, Well, they had to have a radio. See, there was no way for them to listen to the outside. They didn't know what was going on in the world out there. And uh, so they were trapped. So this guy, a ham, he was an amateur, as a matter of fact, who had been captured, uh, built a diode detector. Now, how he happened to have a diode detector, how this came about? No, he did. As a matter of fact, he was building stuff back at the base where he was stationed, before he was captured, and he had in his pocket a diode detector. Well, he did. And so uh, he uh, took this diode detector, and he cleverly, you uh, know, he hid it. He, he somehow had an idea it would be a very valuable thing. So well, it's a tiny thing, you know, a diode detector is a little bitty thing. It's, uh, uh, you can get different types, but uh, uh, there are certain types of miniaturized diode detectors that aren't any bigger than the head of a match, a really tiny things. You yeah, have much smaller than that, but I'm being... I I don't want you immediately start sending me all the letters and showing me how much you know about electronics. We know that everybody listening has at least an advanced degree in electronics, so we'll accept that. All right. Uh, (laughs) So don't please uh, bother to write and tell me all about how much you know. But uh, nevertheless, he had this tiny diode detector. See, I headed him off at the pass again. Uh, So uh, he had this. uh, Oh yeah, yeah. So he had this little detector. And the problem, of course, is is how to keep it from being discovered when you're when you're operating this thing, when you're trying to hear something. So that's a real problem. So he hollowed out a tiny hollow. He made a plug, really, of the sole, the heel of his shoe. He was wearing G.I. shoes. They have a pretty good solid heel on them, and he was able to, uh, somehow, with uh, some kind of implement that he found, he, he cut a plug out of the side of that sole. He just dug it out and, and removed this plug, and at which point then he shortened the plug, so that meant then that he had a hollow heel in effect. Well, he took the plug then and he shaved it down very carefully, and at that point now the problem is how to get some wire. That's right and And so he uh, six or seven months, and all the guys around that were, who were working there you know were going out to compound to exercise and stuff he, he passed the word for them to look for any piece of tin foil or metal or any kind of thing that they could find you know like somebody throws a gum wrapper down and there was, you can find stuff you'd be surprised what you can find by just looking at the ground I'm serious uh, this is something that you'll learn when you do a lot of uh, let's say al fresco automobile repairing uh, <laughs> when you're spending a lot of time you just look on the ground if you look on, in any ten foot area around where you are in the weeds you will find a nail you will find a piece of rusty wire you will find a bottle cap uh, you'll, you'll, you'll be amazed at what you can find when you just have to absolutely find something so anyway all these guys were picking up these little pieces of tin foil and any kind of metal they could find or pieces like that and this guy was taking him back to his to his tent there, or rather in his in his cell, and at night he was he had a rock and he was he was flattening whenever he got a chance, when the guard would walk away, he's flattening it. he's just absolutely you know, pulverizing this thing, and he's making it with his fingers. He's rolling it, he's making very thin wire what he actually did. How do you like that, Dad? And he he finally wound enough wire. He he made wire, really made wire out of all different types of uh, uh, different types of, of uh, conducting material. He finally made himself wire enough wire that he could wind on this plug. He wound this tiny tiny coil. You got it, and you see the plug provided a natural insulation right there. It was rubber. He wound this tiny thing and now he's ready he's got himself now how did he make his condensers you curious about that for his l p circuit well he did this by taking two thin very thin sheets of pounded so they got a he got a very very thin sheets of pounded tin foil now this this was very interesting at this point and and uh he used air dialectic is what he used in this thing he, he uh He got himself some kind of an insulator, stuck it in there, and he fooled around with this thing. And by George, attaching it, he would just run a little piece of wire, and he attached it to the metal springs on his bunk. And he began to hear radio signals after working on this thing for about two or three months, in the dark, always in the dark. So he would lie in his bunk at night then with this thing hooked up, now, how did he hear it? That's a fascinating problem right there. Well, this is where you really get into some some unbelievable technology. Uh, this guy, no, there was a guy in his company, one of the guys in, uh, that were was on this uh, uh, prison camp detail, one of the guys that had been nabbed, who had a hearing aid. Yep, the guy, the guy had a hearing aid, and and they were very hip. Uh, the the uh, what they would do, these people would the, the, I'm talking about the prison camp guards, every night they would confiscate this guy's hearing aid for fear that he would do something with it, make a transmitter or some darn thing out of it, you know and they would let him use this earphone they'd just keep, they'd take the hearing aid unplugged off the phone, and they didn't think he could do anything with the earphones, He just had the earphone and they, yeah, they just unplugged the earphone, with a kind of a bone conductor or something, the guy he didn't have a regular earphone that plugged in, some kind of a thing that fitted back of his ear so anyway by using this thing at night attached to the bed spring to this diode detector this guy was able to listen to armed forces radio where he could hear all this information that was going on all the time say and uh, <laughs> and, and they never could figure out in the in this prison camp all of a sudden all the prisoners would know something you know that the some some big thing had happened, and uh, uh, that there was uh, there were talks of peace or something. Whatever the information was, it would, sw- would sweep like wildfire through the camp, and nobody knew how in the hell they found out about this stuff. See. And all of what it wasn't until after it was all over, when the dust had settled, this guy got out that they that they you know released the story that this guy had built this fantastic radio receiver. And by the way, this receiver, in case you're curious, is in a museum. It is in a museum of war, uh, objet d'art, you might say, uh, that is, I believe, attached to West Point. It's, it's, it's what a guy, it's, it really illustrates what extent the guy can go if he's really with it, see. And all the while he's lying in his bunk late at night, and he's got this thing plugged into his ear, and uh, he's listening to all the information. Uh, there was also, of course, this was a crystal detector, and I wonder just how many guys, I know Jerry. I just wonder how many guys are listening to us right now you know, on, on crystal sets. I would just be curious to know. Just an just interesting uh, little side issue. One guy wrote to me here about six or seven months ago who was listening on a crystal diode detector somewhere up in Alberta, Canada. Now, now, you know, most people tend to think a crystal set is just local, but not if, it's, not if it's beautifully built. This is WOR New York, by the way, in case you're wondering what the hell it's all about. Uh, <laughs> now, for those of you who don't know, uh, I, I, don't, I don't like to, to belabor this because a lot of people are going to be left in the dust, but uh, the word diode appears quite often in New York Times crossword puzzles. Diode. Also, the word anode appears quite often. Rarely does the word pentode appear, or tetrode, or uh, high gain low mu pentode. I mean, we don't we don't come into that. However, uh, the word diode simply means two two elements. There's a a cathode and a plate, the plus and the minus, and it allows current to flow only in one direction. It uh, it forms a very uh, it's the basis of what you're listening to me. No matter how subtle or how complex your radio receiver is. You may have the greatest, newest, most expensive radio receiver. It's all based on that diode. At, at, when, it, when, all, when all the uh, refinements are stripped away, you have underneath it all basically a crystal receiver. You agree with that, Herbert? Right. We're checking with the engineering department. Make sure that our, uh, that's also true of your television set. Huh? Yes, it is. Now uh, a lot of kids have done this. you know that up in, in uh, summer camps, for example, one guy wrote for me from a summer camp in in Vermont and uh, this guy uh, wrote me this long letter and he, he said, among other things, one thing he did say he says that they did not allow them to have any radios there. Uh, the whole why I don't know why the point is that was a camp rule. I guess they didn't want kids to be turning on the radio at two in the morning and rock blasting out and all that jazz. Well, all right, that was the rule of the camp. So this guy, built a crystal set he went out and he got himself uh, went into town one day and he bought this stuff for a crystal diode detector and he built it into his bunk he built this thing right in the bunk (laughs) uh, this guy says I'm underground I'm lying in my bunk I'm listening to you on my contraband radio this is radio free uh, Camp Namilwaukee and uh, I'm, I'm digging in up here. Let's let's hit this kid with a commercial. It's getting late in the year, man. This is about the last, one of the last Palisade spots that you're going to hear, and I hope you're recording it. It's a real classic. Hey, hold it, hold it, Herb. Reset that. Just let that thing run, see? And I'll, I'll, I'll do this as a public service for you out there. This is another hobby that uh, a lot of you are not aware of. And the hobby is basically... Uh, recording and keeping in a library commercial announcements spots. So I'm uh, as a public service to all you uh, all you uh, commercial kufus out there. I'm going to play a classic Palisades amusement park commercial, which next year this is the last year you won't ever hear it again. Remember, Palisades is out of business as of this summer. Now this will be a classic in a couple of years. People say, "Do you remember Palisades?" Oh man. And uh, by the era, 1885, you'll be that old codger on the end of the street there that remembers all the old days. And you say, yes, I remember the Palisades Park. Why, not only that, I have a copy of the commercial here. Would you care to hear it? All right, set your tape recorders, gang. Here's your chance now to record right off the air. Absolutely. And it's in working order. It's, it's working. See, it's, it's still pitching, too. We're going to record right now a classic Palisades amusement park spot and this was recorded in 1971. In the good old days. Palisades has a ride. Palisades has a fun. Come on over. Shows and dancing are free. Shows the parking. So gee, come on over. Palisades from coast to coast, where a dime buys the most. Palisades amusement park swings all day and after dark. Ride the coast circuit pool in the waves, in the pool, you'll have fun. So come on over. There, you got it, absolutely. Now I can imagine circling. Oh, my tape program! <laughs> Uh, you know, that's, uh, that has uh, supplanted the camera boo-boo. Uh, the camera boo-boo, as all of you know, all of you are probably aware of that interesting phenomena that at any point when you're about to take a really one-of-a-kind, this is the only chance picture, the flashball doesn't go off, right? All right, okay. This is a fact. Uh, we all know this. And this is now happening with tape recorders. Oh, yes. Many a guy has stood right there by the side when the atom bomb went off. Before 707's crashed, the people were flying in the air, and uh, he recorded the whole thing, got it home, and it was nothing but a hiss on his tape recorder, right? Because you forgot to turn up the game, or you didn't plug in the microphone all the way in, so there was not recording, and, or oh, you know, odd uh, infinitum. But uh, there is a classical <laughs> Palisades amusement park spot for all of you collectors out there. And by the way, speaking uh, for you collectors... Uh, I am. Uh, I, I imagine a few of you heard about the fantastic scene that went on in Plainfield. Did you hear about it? I was in Plainfield last week, and it was wild. I want to tell you, man, it was fantastic. And uh, they're signing books. You know, it was over in, the, in a couple of Plainfield bookshops. And so, uh, if you're a collector type and you live in the area of Red Bank, Red Bank, New Jersey, I am going to be in Red Bank Thursday. That's like uh, you know the ninth tomorrow, right? Thursday, from 1 to 3, and if you're out of school at that time, or if you can get out of school or something, uh, get over to the Red Bank Bookstore, Six Linden Place, Red Bank, New Jersey, and I will write all those things in the front of your copy of Wanda Hickey's Night of Golden Memories that the, uh, that the uh, publisher and the legal department insisted that I take out. I'll write them in there. That's Wanda Hickey's Night of Golden Memories, me, uh, 1 to 3, Red Bank Bookstore, Six Linden Place, Red Bank, New Jersey. And that's going to be Thursday, the 9th, right? Okay? Now, uh, hey, that reminds me, speaking of, uh, of, uh, of Jersey, uh, almost uh, daily I get letters, you know, from people saying, when are you going to do your next live college show? Well, that's going to be Friday. The, the first one of the season, we're going to get warmed up over there, you know. The first show of the season is going to be Friday afternoon, the 10th, uh, from 3 to 6, And, uh, well, actually, the big show is going to be the 10th. Yeah, it's going to be at 8.30 p.m. Got it? Now, see, this is all in one big hazard here. So I have to start from the top. I'm going to be in Glassboro, New Jersey, Friday. Now, from 3 to 6, I'm going to be in the paperback nook. Sounds a little bit obscene. I'm going to be in the paperback nook, College Town Mall, Glassboro, New Jersey. And that's from 3 to 6, if you can't make... Red bank, you can get the Glassboro and all autograph books and you know, do the whole shtick. And that night I'm gonna be at eight thirty PM, Friday, September tenth, in SB Gym, which is uh, it's the actually it's the chief diamond of the great diadem of Glassboro State College's beautiful campus. I'm gonna be at Glassboro State College, Glassboro N J. That's uh, Friday, September tenth at eight thirty in the gym. Tickets are on sale at the door. That's actually a student activity thing, you know. You know, I can, I can, uh, uh, if, if I may, uh, uh, I, I see, because crystal receivers are all, uh, very few boys. Now, I'm talking about this time. Don't don't write me. Don't, don't. Every old codger who happens to be looking, yes, you must be my age. You're the first receiver I ever do this. No, no, no. We're not talking about that. I wonder how many guys know that crystal sets, crystal set kits, are one of the best-selling items today among male type children. Now I I, I don't know uh, any girls who've ever built them. I imagine there are some, and I'm not putting girls down. So don't women's live? By the way, immediately write and tell me you built crystal sets. I don't know. I just never knew one it did. And uh, but one number one of the number one selling things among kids today. You can buy kits now. You know for crystal sets. And uh, in fact, hardly anything today doesn't come in a kit. I mean. Uh, Yes, you can buy, uh, well, uh, you've seen orange crate scooters. You can buy a kit now for that with uh, knockdown orange crates and comes all wood jowled together. <laughs> you know, those oh, are pretty. I was in FAO Schwartz the other day. Oh, yes, uh, things have changed. You know, for example, uh, you, you know that uh, right from the start, uh, kids are conditioned by the toys that they have, right? This is what they say. I don't know if it's true or not, but they do. They say it. Well, at F. A. O. Schwartz, you know, you know how one of the one of the big popular things is, you know, kids to, to get a uh, soldier suit, you know, or a cowboy suit and all that stuff. Well I noticed one interesting thing at Schwartz's. All the soldier suits were commissioned officers. You know, F. A. O. Schwartz is the toy store for the rich kids. And uh you didn't see any uh, you know, yard birds in that crowd. I mean in fact they even had a tiny air corps general suit. <laughs> I'm serious it's an Air Corps general you know the whole thing four stars and uh, when they have uh, you know they have the little cars the kids ride around in yeah, they, had a, they had all elegant cars i want to tell you they had a little uh, Lotus uh, you yeah, know the kid could pedal right away you know you don't want to start him out with a real live sports car a couple of years from now you get the real Lotus they had a Lotus they had a Stutz Bearcat the elegant this is for the kid you know that uh, later on is going to grow up and he's going to own seven or fifteen Winton Sixes from nineteen two. he's a collector, say and they had a jeep beautiful little jeep except for one thing uh, it had a flag on it and it flew the stars the four stars of a four-star general it was a commissioned officer's jeep so uh, right from the <laughs> right from the start <laughs> kid, you know no little kid who buys his toys at fao schwartz is going to be a pfc in the engineers i can tell you that you know <laughs> walking around working on a grease trap no sir so uh, you're, you're influenced by these things, and, uh, and uh, one of the things that uh, kids are doing today, boy types are doing, is they're getting real hung on electronics. This is a whole big thing, and it's, it's just really beginning. And I mean building electronics, uh, building, uh, I just wonder how many heat kits every year are sold just to kids. Uh, you know, I just, I would suspect that the larger percentages of that are sold into adults, you know, heat kit type things. But the crystal set has a specific and a particular place uh, because it seems like magic. There's no batteries. That's the first thing that gets you about it. It's a, it, it. It seems to just be absolutely magic. Now, if you really want to build a real crystal set instead of going out and getting yourself a diode detector, crystal detector, you can actually buy, in places like, uh, say, Lafayette, places place like that, you can buy a genuine Galena crystal, a piece of galena crystal, which has been embedded in a little lead plug, a little lead base, which provides, of course, a good uh, good conductivity. And you can also buy a crystal detector, a, a little cat's whisker. They call them cat's whiskers. They really do. That, uh, that you just lower it to the top of this little crystal detector, and you just fish around until you find a place that is particularly uh, sensitive now attached to this thing you, you buy yourself a little slide type uh, LC circuit it's just a little slider that uh, that you run back and forth and uh, it varies the frequency the uh, resonant frequency of the input of this thing and you can actually build one of these things oh you build it in 15-20 minutes actually no problem at all but what gets you about a crystal detector and I think what always lures people on is that it it's It works completely independent. It's it's totally independent of any outside problems or sources. Now, most of us, when you think of radio and think of your radio receiver, you think you know plugging it in, or you think of going out and getting a battery. But a crystal detector operates by itself, and it uses the actual tiny, tiny voltages and currents that are. Transmitted by, say, this radio station, uh, to actuate that tiny diode detector, and you'd be amazed at the at, at the fantastic volume that you can get. Yeah, if you get yourself one that's working well, man, that volume uh, is it's very comfortable earphone volume. Would you say? Well, Of course, the next thing you know, when you, when you start doing this kind of stuff, you get you get secretly involved in other things. I mean, a crystal set works for a while, and you listen to it. You listen to Cousin Brucey. So you know, finally, you find your forehead getting sloped, and you find your your skin breaking out from listening to that too much, and, and the, you know, you know all these things. And Then after that, you begin to branch out. You know who I used to listen to on my crystal set? I'll tell you how uh, when I first built a crystal set, who always seemed to be coming through on my crystal receiver constantly. Of course, remember, I was in the Midwest. Was uh, you ready for it? It was uh, Ernie Ford, Tennessee Ernie Ford, <laughs> and I always remember Tennessee Ernie Ford. Now don't come around and then tell me that you two were building for No, no, we had in the living room of our house at that time. We had this great big Scott receiver and all that stuff. So, so building this crystal set was purely a hobby. It was a thing. It was your own private thing. You know, I think one of the things that kids dig secretly is The, it's not really, how can I say, it's a myth. It's almost a human, uh, total racial memory fantasy. And that's to be invisible. Everybody secretly likes the idea of being invisible. And to be able to go through walls. (laughs) Also, there's another thing, too, that that, uh, everybody secretly would dig. There's three things, really, that are closely related. One is being invisible. I mean, that's, that's the number one. How much literature, there's, there's hundreds and hundreds of great classical stories that have been written on that one idea of invisibility. Of course, the most famous one is the invisible man. But there have been all kinds of others. What is another one? Well, it's closely related, and that's the ability to look through walls. X-ray eyes. To be able to see through things. This is is really uh, really a deep-seated desire people have. On the other hand, they also want to do something else. There's another one. And that's to be able to magically fly. That's the magic carpet syndrome. To be able to, to just fly. Just be able to fly. So you see some comic strips involve all three of those. And these comic strips are classics. Any character that you have who can fly, who can be invisible, and who can see through walls is going to get them right where they live. <laughs> and, 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 of course, then there's a fourth one that is kind of uh, connected with the first three, and that's invincibility. I mean, to be invincible. <laughs> I mean, to, be, you know, to have uh, bullets bounce off the top of your head and uh, to have guys charge at you with uh, gigantic lances and swords and you with a loud laugh you know and you knock them flat then you turn invisible then you fly 4,000 miles through the air uh, these, are, these are all <laughs> these are all really, uh, really and nobody loses that you you continue to have this thing in your back way back in your your, your craw throughout your entire life you know this is one of the reasons why television has such a Curious hold over people, I suspect. That's one of the things that lies really at the basis of it. For some reason, you can sit in your house, and you're invisible to all the rest of them. And you can watch things going on at a far distance. Now, this almost gives you the idea of having uh, x-ray eyes. You can see things. At the same time, you're, you're, you're covering great space. Here you are. You're, you're sitting there, you're looking at... Uh, you're looking at some idiotic show that was put on in Hollywood and uh, it's it's instantaneous these are all and and, you know guys have developed thousands and thousands that have been millions of man hours since the very beginnings of time that have gone into realizing those basic dreams I think this is behind the space program ultimately when everything is said and done and you can't explain these things in any rational way. A kid, that's why kids all dig the space program, and old guys never do. Well, because they've kind of given up. <laughs> See, I think, I think the older a guy gets, the more he tends to give up these, uh, these great wish fantasies, or he kind of lides them over with uh, something called maturity or knowledge and one thing or another. So finally, he gets to a certain point and he said, that's ah, all silly. Why don't they fix the potholes on Fordham Road? He's not interested in seeing any longer. And uh, yet, you, it's very difficult. If you, if you went up to a nine-year-old kid and asked him, which would you prefer, them to fix the potholes on Fordham Road or to fly to Mars, there's no question which one he'd vote for. And so uh, these, these things uh, have always remained. Leonardo da Vinci, for example, uh, was a great dreamer in that department. And he was always designing things where guys could fly or they could hear things over a long distance and so on. And so it leads you into some really terrible problems, like the time after I built my crystal set. See, everything is cool. I got the crystal set. Now, uh, what is another one of the secret little ambitions you've got? Well, I'll tell you one of them is to constantly, always, magically, mystically, be in touch with your friends. this grows weaker as people get older, but it's almost impossible to get a kid away from the telephone. Why? Well, he's talking to Aki, you know, (laughs) and Aki's sitting over in his house talking to him. Very subtle thing. And so I'm sitting in the library one day. Oh, the library can subvert you, man. More troubles come out of the library than any other single place. That that library is filled with ideas. Some of them are good. Some of them are bad. Some of them are evil. Some of them are beautiful. you never know which one you're looking at. In fact, sometimes they involve all three. Good, bad, evil, beautiful. I'm sitting in the library, and I'm reading Boy's Life. Now, you know Boy's Life, right? Well, Boy's Life had all these great articles all the time, you know, about Uncle Dan Beard, he was always writing about how you can trap beavers. If you can tell which side of the woods the moss is on, you knew which way north went all the time. You know, that kind of jazz. Well, they had a, a page in this magazine on building stuff. You know, stuff, groovy things to build. Well, I'm sitting in the library on this nice, quiet day, two days or so, a week or so after school started. I'm supposed to be doing some homework, looking at the world book. Actually, I'm reading an article on how to build your own telephone system. Now, let me tell you how it works. If you could get a pair of earphones, regular, you know, earphones, do you know that if you get a pair of earphones, now listen to me carefully, friend. that earphone has a tiny magnet in it, and it's a very powerful magnet for its size. So if you could get a pair of earphones, each earphone has two connectors, right? Okay, if you connect the positive, they're marked, plus and minus. If you connect the positive post on one earphone, to the positive post on another earphone with a long wire, maybe 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 feet, and then take the negative side, you know, the little thing says minus, and connect that to the ground, both of them, to the ground. Would you believe that if you talk into one earphone, you can hear it coming out of the other one? Did you know that that's what it does? Well, it does, friend, and if you're out there, you ought to try it. Well, I read this thing. I said, gee, that's great. You see, that works without any batteries, too. Again, see, it's magic. So I rushed home, saying I had this pair of earphones. Schwartz had a pair of earphones, because he, too, was hung up on, the, on the, uh, the crystal set scene. And down the street, Flick had a pair of earphones, right? These three houses in a triangle. So without saying, because we knew we were secre- we secretly, we knew we were illegal. You, 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 know, you know, you just know so, Schwartz's house was directly across the street from mine, right across this big, you know, regular street. Flick's house was on the same side of the street, but about four doors down, right? Well, we found, we went, we went to the dump, see, we were looking all over the dump, and we found this old, battered, loudspeaker that had a field coil in it. Ten million wire miles of this tiny, number 24, horsehair-type wire, see, you got it? Okay. So we worked one whole Saturday (laughs) working on this darn thing. (laughs) And so we connected. We we finally—I took it, I tied it to a rock, see, and threw it across the street. Schwartz is on the roof of his house. He caught this thing, and he he, very carefully we ran it through insulators down into his bedroom, which was on the top floor. I ran mine down into my bedroom. We grounded each one, and by God, it worked. I'd sit there in the house and hello, Schwartz oh Schwartz. Oh, I'm over here. What are you doing, Schwartz? Uh, what are you doing? I don't know. Uh, what are you doing, Schwartz? Uh, I'm sitting here. What are you doing? Uh, uh, I'm sitting here, Schwartz. Uh, can you hear me? Yes. Can you hear me? Yes. Well, it was, you know, that's the typical conversation. Well, then we included Flick. You got it? Well, the first windstorm that came along blew our wires down. It was then that we embarked on our life of crime. We buried them under the street. You know how the, the, each street, a concrete street, has this strip of asphalt that keeps the street from expanding and contracting and cracking? We carefully went out one Saturday and took all the asphalt out and put insulated wire in there and laid the asphalt down into this thing. You got it? And it worked even better until one day A man knocked on the door at 6 o'clock in the afternoon. We're having supper. And the old man says, who's there? And the guy says, I'm from the city. The old man says, what? I'm from the city. The old man goes out on the front porch. He says, what is it? And he says, I have a bill for $200. You kids in this house and across the street are called guilty of vandalism. We've got to re-pour all that tar. The old man says, what? (laughs) He didn't even know about it. Well, that was the end of the telephone system. But friends, it was not the end of the dream. Dreams never die easy. And by the way, speaking of dreams, how many guys see their dreams in the world of the comics? Don't forget, this Sunday, I think you might have seen it in the paper, Sunday, September 12th, there's gonna be a big comics festival all these guys that draw the comics you know Carrie Drake and all that are all gonna be there it's gonna be free at the mall Sunday the 12th and I'm gonna be there I'm gonna run the whole show I'm gonna be up on there I'm gonna be arguing with Carrie Drake and a whole scene and the times are 1 45 3 and four fifteen. so if you're gonna be coming into New York over Sunday September twelfth, get over into the mall it's gonna be a wild big scene Sponsored by the Daily News, all those cartoonists and the whole thing. And it's all backed by the city shepherds official. And by the way, speaking of official, don't forget now, it's Red Bank, Thursday, September 9th, tomorrow, between 1 and 3 p.m. at the Red Bank Bookstore, 6 Linden Place, Red Bank, New Jersey. I'm right next, you'll see me sitting there right next to the pornography shelf, Sitting there writing down all those... <laughs> oh, that dreams... And by the way, one of the great dreams, of course, is uh, is to be able to see through things. And I remember sending off to uh, Johnson & Smith in Appleton, Wisconsin, for a magic device which gives you X-ray eyes. Did you ever see those things? Advertising the back of Popular Mechanics. Kids, you can have X-ray eyes. Also a device. Throw your voice. Help, help, help. Throw your voice. Magic. It's magic is the terrible-tempered Mr. Bang. We'll return shortly with another bad scene. In a continuing series of bad scenes. Due to situations over which it has no control, the management takes no responsibility for the preceding fiasco. And due to situations over which he has no control, the performer takes no responsibility for the fiasco over which you heard it. Yeah, Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day.